Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Bahar Chamishi, the fifth Aliyah in Parshas Bahar. The topic of our Aliyah is the house in the city. It is Tem Sukim Non-Rang from Perak Chofei, Posuk Choftes to Lamed Ches. Let's take a look at an overview and then we'll take some points to ponder. The first thing which is fascinating about this Aliyah is it talks about what's called Beis Moshav Ir This refers to a apartment or a house in a walled city. So this is going to operate differently to the field that we saw in the last Aliyah. When it comes to the field in the last Aliyah, if a person sells a field, the person, the person who sold it will be able to redeem it or their family members will redeem it at any point later on to return it to the ancestral land. However, that, uh, and, and if they don't, then it'll go back at the Yovel. When it comes to a, a house or a, a apartment in a walled city, they have two years to redeem it. But if not, if the, the redemption is not made within the first two years, then it actually now is established by the seller and cannot be redeemed. Then we will be there forever, for generations. Yovel will not be able to uh, reset the sale. So this is a permanent sale if the, we'll call the two-year window is not used. Similarly, um, but the, the Bote HaChetzerim, these are the courtyards, actually considered like fields and not like houses in the walled city as well. We're told another interesting halacha, and that is that this, the Arei Halavim, the cities of the, of the Levites, there they will always have Geulas Olam Tiel HaLavim. The Levim will always be able to be able to redeem back their houses and properties in their cities as well. And finally, the Aliyah concludes with a small paragraph about a person who becomes impoverished. You're supposed to strengthen them the ger to a toshav even if they are a ger toshav, a person who is a resident in Israel, you are not allowed to to use them with usury. You're not allowed to use um, interest. Don't you exploit their condition. You should fear Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu reminds us that that's why he taught, took us out of the land of Egypt. A lot of interesting points over here. Why are houses in walled cities different? Why is it that when I sell a field, there is always the, there, there is always the possibility of redemption, and if not at the Shmita, at the Yovel cycle, it will reset the property ownership. Why, when it comes to the houses in walled cities, is it different? Rabbi Soloveitchik points out a really beautiful observation. That is, there's what's called in Aralia a kri uksiv, the way it is written and the way it is worded. This is to be found in Pasuk Lamet. Here's how it's worded. The Pasuk says, if a person will not redeem the, the, this apartment in the walled city for the first two years, then the comma bias, asher ba'ir, the house which is in the city will be established, asher loy chama, which does not have a wall, which ha, which has a wall, lats misus for the, the this is going to be for posterity, la koneosa to the one who bought it. You'll notice that the word loy is spelt one way and read a different way. Although it sounds the same, it is written loy with the lamed aleph and is read loy with the lamed vav. And says Rav Soloveitchik, that is precisely the lesson that is being learned here. Many times in life, we like to have safety nets. We like to have walls, which we think will protect us in life. We like to think that we're going to make the secure decision. As an example, in Megillas Rus, we hear about Elimelech. He has lots of money. He sees a famine coming. He wants to protect his money. He thinks that his security is going away and getting a vacation village um, place in Moab where there is no famine because he does not want the impoverished people to come knocking at his door and to, for, to compromise his retirement plan. And that is his wall and his net. But ultimately it doesn't work. There's another person who stays behind, a person who also has money but is not con- does not want to create the wall of protection for himself, says Soloveitchik. And that is Boaz. And ultimately Boaz is the winner. Boaz is the one is, who continues the legacy of the family of Elimelech. Um, says, says Soloveitchik, that's precisely what's happening over here as Jews. 
we have to realize that in the house, when is the house going to be safe? When it doesn't have a wall, even though it looks like we have a wall. Meaning to say, the Lamed Aleph is loy, it is not a wall, but really it is a wall. When we feel, when it's perhaps in our most vulnerable moments, when we realize that we really are protected by Hashem. It's not because of our own ingenuity, our own financial modeling, our own insurance nets. It's not because of that that we're safe. Asher loy when there's no wall, when there's no safety, when we're doing what our Kodesh Baruch Hu wants, that is when we actually have the, 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 the protection that we need as well. Explains that this this episode here is a mashal, is a example of Hashem selling a house. Hashem selling his house in his city. What does it mean, his city? That's the base of Migdash. Why? Because in order to bring a Gula, Kodesh Baruch Hu destroyed the base of Migdash. Hashem allowed the base of Migdash to be destroyed to protect us, so that the wrath of Hashem would not fully be um, absorbed by the nation of Israel, so that there would be an ability to be able to. For them to have a geula, so the the house in the city actually refers to the house in the city, the base of Migdash, the temple, in the city, which was being sold in order that there should be a geula for the nation of Israel. And again, another global historical perspective that Orach Hamakadosh is enlightening us with over here as well. Now, why are the cities of Levium different? Rashi says, explaining the Pesukim, is because all they have are these cities. They don't have so many fields. They don't have agriculture. That's not their line of work. And therefore, they need to have the redeemability possibility because they also have a limited land as well. Now, a very important question to think about over here, and that is, what are the social ramifications of this system of return? What is what does a society look like that lives under Yovel? Rav Hirsch points out a few very important differences to the way that we live today. Number one is that urban development will never be at the cost of agricultural development. No farms could be bought out permanently to make cities because they'll always return in the Yovel. That means to say that cities, if they needed a place to develop, would have to be in non-agricultural areas. This would actually be the balance in check for industrial revolution type of issues. That the, the Torah, obviously foreseeing this and understanding global expansion, the urbanization, and the move away from rural living, which is what we've been seeing in the last three centuries, these issues will not will be stemmed by a society which keeps Yovel. That's number one. Number two is, it will retain the town-bred intelligence and culture. People will grow up in the same places, they will be, their families will have context in those areas, there will be people who knew their families for years, there will be natural culture which will evolve around certain locales, which will not be broken because of the continual change in society. Areas will not dramatically change over time, and ancestral connections and character will remain in the neighborhood which people grow up in. A much healthier system than the transient system that we live in today. And number three is, this would also pre- 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 prevent the evolution of mega real estate moguls who make their vast fortune off the backs of those who are living hand to mouth in the apartments that they're paying off. The society will never exist because there's a reset button every 50 years. So it would be impossible for a person to build up a real estate um, empire in such a situation as well. These are the social ramifications. Only some of, there are obviously more, of a society governed by Yovel. It's worthwhile thinking which society is better off. A society with unregulated capitalism in the West or society governed with some sort of religious um, um, ramification regulation, which is the Yovel, the Jubilee year. Another question is, what is the mitzvah of Vechezak Tabach? At the end of the aliyah of, of making this person strong, who is in a situation of need, Rashi explains that this means to say, help this person before they reach rock bottom. He gives an example. Let's say a donkey is carrying a heavy load of grain. The grain starts slipping off. 
it will take one person to push the grain back onto the slipping of grain back onto the top of the saddle and to strap it on. But if a person doesn't catch it then and it all falls up, it's going to take many people to take it off the ground and put it back onto the donkey. Make sure to catch the person before they reach their financial nadir, their their lowest. Now, who does this apply to? What is who do we have to look after financially to ensure that they do not reach these situations? Rashi points out based on the Torah that even a Geratoshav, who is a Geratoshav, that's a person who is a, a non-Jewish resident of the land of Israel, but has agreed to live with uh, with monotheism and rejects paganism, even though they are not keeping the Torah and the mitzvahs. Judaism is a unique system in that, unlike Christianity and Islam, which are very uh, uh, which are very un insecure religions in that they seek to make the rest of the world under their umbrella. Judaism never did that and the non-Jews can live side by side with them as long as they live monotheistically and with the seven principles of the Shev Mitzvah B'nai Noach as well. As long as they aren't one of the seven nations of the land of Canaan. Now, is why is Rebius ethically wrong? Why does the Torah mention over here and is so ethically wrong? The answer is, says Rav Soloveitchik, is it is not. It is not ethically wrong. Your money is worth uh, your time is worth money, and you can charge for it. The reason why Rebus is prohibited in this case is because imagine your brother came over to you and needed a loan, your sister came over to you and needed a loan. You charge them interest? What kind of horrible sibling are you? And the, rea- and the, the rea- realization over here is that every Jew is the brother and sister of you. Every Jew is part of your family. How could you charge them interest? So therefore the Jew is the exception to the rule of Rebus. It is not unethical. It is specifically because the realization of the intimate nature of the Jewish family that Rebus is, di- is disallowed in that context, in the family context. Which is why um, that Rebus appears not in the halachas of Choshe Mishpat, which is social law governing financial financial arrangements, but it is found in the Shulchan Aruch in Yoredeh, which is more of the ritual part of uh, um, of the Shulchan Aruch to emphasize this particular point, that Rebus itself is actually ethical, but not ethical when it comes to family. The question just is, how big is that family? With this, we conclude the fifth aliyah in Pashas Bahar. In the meantime, have a wonderful meeting.